When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, this time, Christ. It's got a shop now, come on, is it? Great. Yep, that's yeah. us, we're cooking no, no techno gremlins this week. We're cooking James Forrest tonight, aren't we? <laughs> This week, Jamesy Forrest's four-player leads to the joy of six as the Celts finally hit the spot in Perth, but the hoops fail to remain composed in the birthplace of Mozart. All this and more in the latest episode of 20 Minute Tims. Hello and welcome to episode 153 of 20 Minute Tims. I'm your host, Stephen, the beleaguered host of this, this operation. With me, as always, is the Kieran Tierney of the podcast in that he's the third-choice captain but probably deserves to be first-choice. It's Melly. Beautiful. <laughs> got Tierney on there as well. Quite a week for James Forrest, Melly. We're going to get into that. Four goals and a red card. But let's start with the good stuff. Let's talk about six, baby. <laughs> but for the second time in a row on this podcast, we're going to talk about off-the-field nonsense because our favourite guy, Chris Boyd, has been slebbering his pish yet again. Before this game, there was an interview with Tom English in which I, I didn't see the whole thing. I saw the, the clip that was doing the rounds on Twitter the gist of it basically is that he knows for a fact, like we talked about last week, he knows for a fact there is a divide in the Celtic dressing room. When challenged on it, because in fairness to Tom English, at least whatever you think of him, he understands what journalistic standards are. You have to sort of corroborate your story if you're going to yep. hit out with this kind of thing. He at least challenged him on it. And his answer to how do you know is basically because... This guy is effectively a, a professional football pundit. <laughs> I, I don't know where to start with it. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You don't start a sentence with because. You don't answer a sentence with because. It's not an answer. No. The, the reason I bring it up, I'm not trying to give Chris Boyd yet more more credibility on here, but the reason I bring it up is because before the St. Johnson game, Brendan Rodgers was asked about it, and he, he didn't give the most convincing of answers. There was a little bit of negativity floating around on, on the social meds directly before kickoff because the answer he gave to this chat about the divide in the dressing room was that basically not in these words but kinda but not for the reasons you, you might think he sort of said that the reason that people aren't getting along in the dressing room is because we've got too many players and I'm sitting there like what what are you on about well he came out and said that there's players there that should have left in the summer because right. they weren't going to get the game time so he said if they're not getting games, they're not going to be happy. And he said, well, that's fair enough, but they were told they would have had to leave to get game time. They chose to stay around because they're on a contract. And he says, we'll respect that and we'll work with them. Yeah. We'll not banish them or anything, which is fair enough. But 
we've said that all along. Like the squad is massive. Mm. There's a, was it well considering Forrest signed a new contract? I think that's us down to eight players out of contract in the summer, and it's only really Scott Brown that's out of contract that you can keep. That's seven players that could disappear, and you'd be lucky to get five appearances between them. So there is far too many players in the squad. We didn't get enough out in the summer, no, and we didn't get enough in. It was just an absolute car crash. But I don't, I don't know if he should be coming out saying that, but I suppose he's not saying anything that's not true because everybody knows that there's too many players, like Comper, Scott Allen, De Vries, just guys that are never going to get a game. Gamboa's still nowhere near. So there's plenty of players there. I suppose he's in a kind of no-win situation there because if he just said, look, I want to concentrate on the game. I'm not here to talk about divides in the dressing room. He would have been criticised for that as well. That would have potentially sort of stoked those flames a wee bit if he kind of shut the question a bit. Yeah, that's that's true. He is quite an honest manager, isn't he, his whole time? But mm. maybe now it's just because there's a wee bit of pressure on him. Everything he says has been scrutinised. Everybody's looking at what he says or how his body language is or everything has been analysed. So... It's just one of those things that you have to take right now, but that's where we are. Let's get on to the good stuff. I have <laughs> well, been waiting for this well, that's for it. months. As, as I said, the social media kind of, there was a bit of a downer just before the game. Everyone was like, oh, he's working his ticket. If he wants to go, just go. It was a wee bit wee bit over the top, but it was soon dispelled with that first half performance. Celtic 5, St. Johnson 0 by half time. In fairness, St. Johnson started the better team. St. Johnson did the first big chance of the game which was saved, finally, by, by Craig Gordon. If that, if that had gone in, you might have got a completely different game. But like granny had bars. <laughs> exactly. But, but after that, from that five minutes, Celtic absolutely grabbed it. We've been screaming out for this for ages, for Celtic to just go at a team and give dole out an absolute shellacking, and we finally got it. Yep. Do you know that South Park meme picture that comes up every time there's something where the guy's just sitting in front of his laptop, uh, computer oh, with a spunker? That was me yesterday. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Every goal that went in, I cheered. I was like, this is brilliant. And I got a wee bit more angry inside as well. And you know why? You. Because last week I texted you and said, Stephen, would you like to come to the game on Sunday? <laughs> and you said, <laughs> no. So I thought, no, I'll pass on it. I've oh, now I severely regret oh, it. I'm so glad we missed out on that. The best performance since <laughs> God knows when. Before the game, a few eyebrows raised about the... The selection, because Malumbu didn't make it, and we'll talk about Salzburg later. Um, Do we have to? This yeah, is going to be a good day. Well, we'll maybe pass over it. Malumbu didn't come in, and that kind of raised a few eyebrows, as I said, because there's no there's no other real clear replacement for Scott Brown, who was still injured. He was still left out because, really, we're rolling into another international break. There's no sense in rushing Scott Brown back. So that didn't really kind of make sense to me. It looked as if McGregor was playing a sort of withdrawn role. A kind of deep line playmaker, the Pirlo. Yep, it's, uh, it's it's something you don't see in a lot of teams nowadays. We we, we tend to think of Scott Brown, somebody that will win the ball back in midfield. Malumbu sort of in the same mould, mm. win the ball back, get it back, keep play moving. But not a lot of teams play like that. And with the way Celtic are and how dominant we have been recently, without getting the performances and results, we maybe don't need somebody in there to win the ball. Yeah. Now if. Scott Brown didn't well if Scott Brown didn't play yesterday and we'd have lost we'd have instantly said oh, there's nobody in midfield yeah, to yeah. win the ball right? back but just with the way it is it's McGregor sitting in front of the defence and I seen last week somebody was analysing I can't remember who it was but they were analysing online like why Man United aren't playing so well and it's because 
their players aren't doing the jobs properly. For example, centre-halves are coming out with a ball and then a central midfielder's coming deep and taking it off them instead of the central defender driving into the space, waiting for somebody to press them and then playing to the central midfielder or for the central midfielder to push out, leave the space right. for this, the centre defender to exploit. And I felt McGregor done that. The thing that impressed me so much about him yesterday, he didn't have the ball a lot, and that's because he got it one touch out of his feet and away, whereas Scott Brown seems to drop deep, take it off them, couple of touches, play it, get it back, whereas McGregor, it's ball, one touch out of the way. It was the same with the whole team yesterday. I think they must have worked on that. We said it in the match companion with Salzburg. What they do is one or two touch in the final third, and that's it. Celtic done that in the final third, and it was devastating, absolutely devastating. The free in midfield for Celtic were brilliant yesterday. Absolutely, and Rogic, um, his best performance for us. Oh, years. See what happens yeah. you don't play him two games down a week? <laughs> That's for it. a month. <laughs> We've not played him for ages, have we? I think it was Jamie tweeted uh, saying he com- he's out injured for one game and comes back like peak Fabergas. <laughs> <laughs> he was brilliant. It's not his only... I, I'm keen to stress this. He was brilliant against Livingston yeah. on the first game of the season. I, I know a lot of people have said he's not turned up at all this season, but he was great against Livingston. The, the reason people don't really remember that as much is because at the time it was dismissed as, well, it's only Livingston, but... Last time they lost. Uh, exactly. It's the, what Livingston have done since then shows how good the result and good the performance that was. Although, having said that, that was Kenny Miller's Livingston. Nah, no. Rogic, that leads us on nicely to, to James Forrest. The two of them combined extremely well. Brendan Rodgers said after the game that they're good pals off the pitch. So, it kind of plays into the relationship they've got on I wonder it. what their banter's like, man. Non-existent, I imagine. <laughs> but, um, James, James Forrest, how to, how to describe this? His best ever game. It stands up against that game against Bayern Munich last season where he was almost flawless. But didn't score. He certainly didn't score four goals. Is this his best ever performance for Celtic? Not just in terms of goals, because he was absolutely brilliant apart from that. Oh, he was unplayable. And yeah. That guy, see, that performance is why people get so frustrated with mm. him, because that's in there. But I don't know if it's belief, confidence, whatever, that he can't seem to produce. It's not even as if he produces it every second week. That's how many times do you see that in a season? And that guy's got that in there. Saying that, He's a lot better when there's other players on form around him. You've seen that with McGregor, Cham and Rogic bouncing balls off him, leaving him the space to go in and run into. He was absolutely brilliant from the very start to the very end. And every time he got the ball, he looked like he create, could create something. It was like the James Forrest of old when he'd Paddy Roberts right up his jacksie. He had to perform and now he's doing that again. I think he was brilliant against was it Inverness when we beat them 6 0. In the Scottish Cup, in the Invin- was that the Invincible season? It was absolutely devastating that day. And when a guy like that's on the form, he is, there's no stopping him. Everything he touched turned to well, gold. Do you remember? Gold. Do you remember the NBA Jam for the SNES? <laughs> remember, at certain points, the, the the players would catch fire. Everything they took went went in. He was kind of like that. He's basically his feet were on fire. Basically, everything he did was perfect. Oh, the, right. If you watch the goals back, basically there was one apart from. His running. Well, well, his running's absolutely ridiculous, let's face it, but it seems, it seems to work for him at times. Um, I think it may have been the third one where he kind of picked the ball up around the kind of halfway line out on the right-hand side and just drove at it. But it's every touch that builds up to it, 
It's not just the finish, it's every touch. The wee nudges inside that are just enough so the defender doesn't know what to do with it. The defender backs off and backs off and he sort of drops his shoulder and nudges the ball onto his left foot. The defender's completely gone by this point. It's, it's every single thing he did was perfect. Uh, it's even from the first goal where the left-back slips in the touchline, he's on him in a flash, in a second, gets the ball, they work it inside and Rogic for the first goal and the goal he puts Forrest through... The way to pass, he couldn't have picked it up and placed it any better in front mm. of the guys. It was absolutely brilliant. King Eddie should have buried that, but Forrest yeah. was on uh, on show to finish it off. But And he was loving the celebrations, by the way. Very the passionate. A couple of fucking yeah. yasses and grabbing That's the right. badge. And I was like, yes, we, man. Well, he said after the game as well, that he came out and said there's no problem in the dressing room. He'll been feeling this as well, This all this kind of building pressure from the media about how you know everybody hates each other basically yeah. in that dressing room if, if you believe some of the, the voices out there you forget sometimes that guys like him and McGregor are Celtic fans as mm. well I mean Tierney gets all the plaudits because yeah. maybe he's flying into tap challenges and he's maybe a bit of a better player but these guys have came right up through as well and it will hurt guys like James Forrest and Cal McGregor when fans are saying oh, you don't care you're not putting in the effort Tierney came out and said it last night the effort's still the same, it's just things aren't coming off. And we have been saying it recently, Sunday was due an absolute beefing. I wasn't quite sure it was going to be Sunday, just no. with the way after Thursday night and the way the team was without Brown. But we just looked absolutely flawless from the back right through. I mean, fair play to him. Lustig had a great game as yeah. well. I'd actually worried just on what you were saying there about Sunday was due a beefing. I'd actually worried that that wasn't coming because the longer this sort of it's not poor form because they're still picking up results. They started winning games 1-0 quite quite frequently there. But it was the lack of chances that was getting me. There weren't really many chances being made. So at no point did I think, oh, we're going to give somebody a hiding here. Well, like, there was a lack of chances, but I've kind of watched the highlights of the game recently. And I think I said it last week, like Lee Griffiths, he just has to be more clinical, more ruthless. Mm. Like, he, what's he missed three one-on-ones in the last three domestic games just stuff like that and I did say last week I'm sure I said it that if we get an early goal it settles everybody down Absolutely. and when we got that it just meant there was no nobody with the fans getting on their back nobody thinking oh we've not scored yet or that's half time or that's 60 minutes 70 minutes we got that early goal and we could re- sort of relax and as soon as we got that goal everybody that crisp pass, everybody was moving quicker, everybody was making angles and even the second goal, Tierney fires that into Edward mm. but he kills it off and puts it in the bottom corner if it's 0-0 and you're not confident in that game maybe he snatches at that but he didn't, he got it under control and got it out of his feet straight away, bang in the back of the net, just, we just needed something to click and everything seemed to click there It's diabolical defending at times Oh, every goal was diabolical, it's hilarious terrible. I don't think even taking St Johnson out that if we were on that form we'd beat any team no, in Scotland yeah, like that because it was absolutely scintillating stuff the reason I, I bring up the defending it was terrible at times and there was even one point where for one of the goals Griff, Griffiths plays an absolutely terrible inwards pass from oh, the touchline he, he throws and, up his hand because he thinks he's giving it away but Forrest <laughs> still, still gets it. it but I actually felt sorry for the keeper eventually because Ander Clark's had good games against Celtic recently and he was let's face it he was quite good again yeah. on Sunday he wasn't maybe Forrest fourth that kind of dribbled into the oh, the left the yeah left, left foot. maybe he could have done better with that but there is he's, he was furious with his defenders because he's not getting a chance St Johnson were forced into making all sorts of changes I think they'd made a couple by half time yeah 
He did, he did, he did a save from Edward, he yeah. did a save from Griffiths, save after save, he, he was good. Some of them you'd expect him to save, mm. but also fair play to the, the old cat, Clancy. The, oh, was yeah. it the third goal, Edward, with a lovely wee turn, then he gets chopped, but he plays it on, and then uh, Rogic and Forrest. I think that was my favourite goal, that one with the 1 2 with them and Forrest oh, puts yeah, it right. in the far corner. That was majestic stuff. We've talked a lot about Forrest, everything Rogic did was. Near perfect, he could have scored for himself as well. Yeah, that great chance where yeah. he just bust through, beat, beat about four players, and it, just going to unleash one for the edge of the box. It was, it was liquid football from Celtic. <laughs> I mean, it, it did look like he had Velcro, yeah, because there was times in the, the edge of the box where it, I think it's the sixth goal where Cham gets it, one touch, plays, waits till the defender comes to him, plays it out right. Rogic does the same, we drag back, flick, flick, flick. It was just one, two touch, all the goals apart from the one where Forrest gets it and dribbles, was one or two touch. I mean, the last goal, every single player either takes one or two touches or it goes from... Once Sinclair plays it in and Cham, he plays it anyway. McGregor, Morgan, Lustig, cut back, and McGregor's there. It was just bang, bang, bang. It's so hard to defend against that because as soon as you go to press or get into shape, the ball's away, and that's what we've been lacking recently. That speed, that intensity, that quickness, so the teams don't have time to get compact, and we shredded them time after time. The high pressing as well, that's something yeah. both Rogers well, and Forrest, yeah, both Rogers and Forrest highlighted after the game. That's That's been missing for, for quite some time, and a certain directness in play that Celtic suddenly had on Sunday, because, as I say, St. Johnson started well. They had a cracking volley yeah, from the edge of the box. Yeah, first five minutes, yeah. not again. <laughs> Swanson had that cracking volley, which was straight at Gordon, but at the same time, he's got, he's got to get himself behind it. But after that, Celtic absolutely grabbed it. And from there, it, it wasn't like they could score at will. But for the first half, they basically could because it was so direct and so quick, just straight through the middle at times. Or if you gave it out to Forrest, even away from his goals, he was beating his man every single time. Yeah, it was just brilliant to watch. I mean... It was so quick that you couldn't take your eyes off the TV. You sneezed yeah. and you miss a goal. <laughs> and I know that because I did sneeze and I did miss the ball going in the back of the net at one point. But it was great to watch and you're just thinking, there it is. That's it, Celtic. That is the Celtic we know and love. We've been waiting for it a long time. Just disappointed that now we're on the international break. Now there's a wee break. But going into that international break with a result, uh, everybody will be flying. Hopefully we can get everybody back. But still... The second half sort of petered out a bit. Once the sending off went down, absolute lunacy from that guy, by the way. Oh, oh. Swanson, that was as, as blatant as you'll see. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't like, I think on sports scene they described it as a potential leg breaker. I don't know about that. Yeah. I think it was just, I clearly haven't made any attempt to play the ball here at all. The, the ball was long gone, the, the yards and yards ahead, and he just took, takes the ankle out. Yeah, it's just pure cowardly. It's one mm, of the yeah. ones where nobody's put a tackle in, but you don't go out a minute later and do that because you know exactly what you're doing. You're just being, okay, I'll be the guy who put the boot in, but you're getting sent off. You're just letting everybody down when you're 5-0 down. It's not on, and he deserves to go. He'll can't say get the old paw in there quickly and get that out. <laughs> no bother. On Forest, is this kind of for now at least dispel the myth that he needs competition to perform because let's face it he's got zero competition in that squad whatsoever and he goes out and turns that performance in well no because we're playing Leipzig next and who do we play in stadium well, <laughs> well so. that's not his fault well as we'll get to that but it's not his problem to replace him because ultimately there's not really anyone you can play on the right hand side unless you said, go out and start fishing for Johnny Hayes wherever he's it'll, gone it'll be Johnson or Morgan won't yeah. it but 
I still think that this is one game and how many. I mean, has James Forrest had a great game this year? He's had good games, but has he had a game where he's unplayable like that? There's no defender that can stop him doing that in this league. And we've seen it against Bayern Munich as well. There's not a lot of teams that can handle him when he's on that form. I still believe his form in the Invincible season was down to him and Roberts going at it. And I think everybody needs competition to keep them going because if he has two or three performances like that, he's still going to play. Whereas now, he didn't get a game for Scotland. Could that be what spurred him on and thought, well, I've lost my place yeah. for Scotland because I've got competition Ridiculous, there. Ridiculous, by the way. Yeah. But, uh, well, you can't can't complain that Stephen O'Donnell done well when yeah. he played, didn't he? And maybe the formation changed. The point I've made before, though, is like, see if you've got a... Maybe it doesn't count this season, but we've talked about it before. But if you've got an extremely successful team with Scots in it, you pick all of those and then sort of yeah. cherry pick the rest of the positions. Yeah, as like what, they did, but Stratton did before when they nearly qualified. It's what Spain did for years. It was basically just the Barcelona team with a handful of Real Madrid ones and then a couple of others. But that's maybe not, there's not, maybe not that great a case to be made for it this season so far because the form's not been great. Just on Forrest though, saying about his past form this season, those are his first goals since he scored home and away against Alishkert, which is months ago now. He hasn't been as great. Scoring-wise, it's maybe unfair to compare it to last season where he scored, I think, 17 or something like that because that, that's his best by far. But he's already, just after yesterday's already up there with Naismith as the top scorer in the league now. Yep, you want to press on now, this down, keep it up. I said that the other week that it was only was it Boyata and Griffiths mm. in one of the starting lineups that had scored in the league this season. Right. We were severely lacking goals. I think if we had got seven, we'd have doubled our tally for the season. And you can just see why we've been struggling so much. We have been missing chances. And again, from the defence onwards, I thought Benkovic, solid. And there were Boyata, didn't put a foot wrong. Decent passing and all that. Lustig good. But the only one who really didn't have a good game, and it's hard to single somebody out, was Lee Griffiths. I mean, it was as if we had a false nine and he wasn't just (laughs) a false player because he didn't really... He had a couple of chances, but he wasn't contributing to the phases of play. He was, to be fair... Obviously dragging defenders away and that's what opened up the space for Rogic, Cham, Forrest and Edward. But he doesn't look on form, does he? It seems to be something underlying with Griffiths at the moment because he went on a decent run. Belly. Of, uh, yeah. Uh, there was he went on a decent run of score and I think he scored three in a row quite recently and he was given a given up the I'm the number one stuff and all that. But since then, just in the last couple of weeks, it seems to have gone horribly wrong for him because there's all these stories now that he's been accused of being overweight. Chris Sutton said that on a BT broadcast, I think, yeah, that well, it looks as if he's carrying a bit. It's not as a, really an accusation if everybody else can see it no, on the okay, t- yeah. TV. And he's, it's he's, not body shaming. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> Real not, men have curves. <laughs> he's not uh, making it through 90-minute games. And the problem we have is, if he doesn't play, who does? So there's, again, your competition I said that competition kills complacency. He's nobody to replace him. Mm. He has to play, and he knows that, but he's obviously been told, look, shape up, we're in October, and you're having to pull out international squads to get fit. To it's quote, not work on. work on your fitness. It's something that's followed Griffith's whole career now, and he's 28 years old. And yeah, people look, forget he yeah. is 28, and still, he's still get. I think people think about him as 24, 25. Yeah. He's a growing man now. 28 years old, he's at the peak of his, you know, his athletic peak. And he's still, his lifestyle just seems to follow him around at all times. We're, as I say, we're a couple of months into a season now and he's having to concentrate on his fitness. That's absolutely unforgivable. 
I don't, I don't know what it is with him. I, I'm not going to start judging. I know people like to on Twitter just start throwing around accusations about what he gets up to and what, what's wrong with his mental health and all that. But the guy's got to make changes. And I know he did when Ronnie Dyler first came in. There was that ridiculous story where Ronnie Dyler came in and before that point he didn't realise that Lucasade and Ryan Brew were bad for you. He was addicted to Ryan Brew and all that. Come on, mate. At this point he's probably 24. Yeah. We're not talking about a wee boy here. We... we call players footballers but you forget they're professional footballers yeah. and that just doesn't mean on the park that means being professional like if you listen to guys like Rio Ferdinand Frank Lampard when they're on BT Sport they're talking about what their eating habits were what they're doing off the pitch what they're doing extra training you hear about Bayern Munich last season when the Ancelotti was taking them they were going and doing extra training some of the players because they weren't happy with the standard that's what being a professional is We've heard 24-hour athletes mentioned mm. before. Now, I don't think Lee Griffith is ever going to be like that, but you can't tell me he's not getting told, this is what you need to eat, this is what you need to do. These are all, it'll all be planned out for him. Easy all for him, he's yeah. got to do is follow it. He doesn't need to make up these plans. And it's really not on if he's not doing it, because 28 and he keeps getting these calf injuries, that's no coincidence, that's because he's not living the right lifestyle. He still bangs them in, but <laughs> he does get the, that's why I'm worried. I don't want him to be another Anthony Stokes. Yeah. You want him to be keep playing. It's a good example. Well, like Riordan playing in what league and when he's 31? That's bet, three years away from Griffiths. I bet he's an absolute headache for Brendan Rodgers because oh. I don't think Brendan Rodgers would pick a guy like Lee Griffiths if it wasn't for the fact that he is so dangerous and scores a lot of goals. Because I don't think he fits into systems. He see, Lee Griffiths is like a throwback. He seems to be like one of these sort of maverick footballers from the 80s or the 70s who just got by on pure natural ability and Goal didn't scoring. really work at it. Yeah, he, he seems to be one of these guys. And I kind of believe we're sitting talking about a, a Celtic player like this in this day and age. Again, we don't know the ins and outs of it. But one thing is clear is he's not the optimum level of fitness for a professional athlete. Far he's, from it. He's not. And it's not just us when you look at look at it, Gordon Stratton, he wasn't first choice for Scotland, he made himself first choice by scoring the goals Ronnie Dyler came in, tried to replace him ended up having to play him, Brendan Rodgers comes in, first thing he does is buy Moussa Dembele, he's always tried to be replaced because I don't think he fits in tactically, I think he is greedy, like just a wee example at the Kilmarnock game the other week, the players were warming up and Boyata was getting a ball out from the goal and Griffiths was there, so Boyata stayed on the post and sort of jokingly cleared away yeah. a couple of shots and he done it to Griffiths, hit a peach of a shot, was going in the corner and Boyata headed it clear. Griffiths was raging at him for a full minute after it, he was still shouting at him for clearing a goal in the warm-up. It's just things like that. You wonder if he's really a team player, if he's going to fit in tactically, but he's got to shape up or just signed a four-year deal, so... Okay, it was six now. We shouldn't be too half on no, Griffiths, no. should we? But, yeah. You know, very disappointing second half, it has to be said. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> the it's St. always Johnson. the case, but it always seems to be big scores like that and there's only one a, a one goal or the team gets a consolation in the second half. But I what think, a goal it was. I think we all sort of think along those lines if it's 5 now at halftime, we're all thinking this could be 10, 11, yeah. 12, but never, it very rarely happens. There's always a noticeable drop-off. For good reason, yeah. There's no point in just absolutely blowing out and chasing like record scores. The the game's long gone at this point. Funnily enough, though, I tweeted during the game that oh well, five goals in the first half, zero in the second because they hadn't scored by this point. This is a clear dip in form statistically, and people actually unfold this for Lovely. I know, I know. One of the guys, man, you're an idiot, man. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyway, man of the match in the stadium was Blair Alston. Yeah, poor guy. 
Poor guy. He does Andrew Clark though. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? But you let in six goals and you're still man of the match. You just, I, you shouldn't be getting man of the matches when you're no, six nil down. You be turning that down. We got a question on Twitter. Paul Devaney asked, "Point for discussion on your next podcast." Brown missing and it all clicks and we score six extra points for the rhyme there. Coincidence? By the way, I'm a huge Bruni fan. Just point out. You I, love this. You yeah, love this, I, don't you? I don't know. I yes, don't know if do. I'd agree with that because it's it's only one game and really you could say about anyone who didn't play. I know there are reasons. We've talked about McGregor just seems to move the ball a lot quicker than Scott Brown does and he, he worked in that game. But I think you're going to need a bigger sample size than one game to, to completely dismiss Scott Brown's current contribution. Yeah, I mean, we've got Hibs, uh, Hibs at Celtic Park next. Hmm. For me, Scott Brown goes straight back in. Right. I don't know who for, but they're playing well. I don't think you can risk it for that. I love Scott Brown as a player, but he doesn't seem like Brendan Rodgers' type of player to have sitting in front of the defence. Hmm. He, he used to like the four-one-two-three formation, and it, it'd be more a playmaker than the Scott Brown type. Now, Scott Brown has done well in that role, but it's more like the football manager terms, a deep-line playmaker, somebody that can get the ball, spit it out, and that's not really Scott Brown's game, but because he is the captain, because he brings so much, he's always been put there. But I wonder if, say, Scott Brown was to leave or retire, hopefully not, at the end of the season. I think if Brendan Rodgers was picking in a replacement, he'd pick a completely different type of player to him. And Cal McGregor, I don't see that being a position for him long term. No. But it was ideal just getting the ball, playing it quickly, and tactically everything went well yesterday with the three of them in there. It was a good balance. But again, it's horses for courses. I don't think that's going to win you the league, those three players in there, because there is going to be times where you need the Scott Brown in there to get a wee <laughs> smash or two. Like games against Aberdeen, Scott Brown goes in because they're hammer throws. So. Absolutely. Um I think it, we got a question on Patreon for the Match Companion in Salzburg the other night that did make a good point. Look, we're going to have to accept that Scott Brown's not going to be around forever and it'll be interesting to see what the team looks like without him because he basically plays every game. He's been injured for two now, but he plays every game and realistically we're going to need to find out how the team can cope without him. They did extremely well against St Johnston, not so well against Salzburg. But I, th- I just... The correlation and causation and all that, I don't think you can necessarily just point to Scott Brown and say, well, we won 6-0 without him. That's why. Yeah, I don't think not, so Not yet, all. anyway, no. But Benkovic coming in made a difference. The free midfield played well. Everything seemed to click. So it is something we're worried about. What is this team going to do about Scott Brown? Well, there's a wee sort of sample, yeah. as you say, that of what can be done when we change it up. But even with Scott Brown there... You still need somebody else in that midfield, I think, because we are still a bit short. Because there wasn't Malumbu didn't really make a didn't make an appearance, but there's still we tweaks that can be made. Abu Kawasi has been in the news again the oh, last dear. couple of days. Brendan Rodgers has once again talked him up as the replacement for Scott Brown. I mean, here we are. Scott Brown hasn't played the last two games. Kawasi's nowhere to be seen. Is he injured or is it? Just... Apparently, so he'll be ready after the international break or something. But how can you get injured from not playing? But who knows with the guy? There's a there's a, that's another guy. Apparently, get told he could leave. Now he's been talked up. We we just don't know. A couple of facts on this on this game just to close us out on the coverage of this. Credit to the excellent Twitter account Maravchik sixty seven for most of these follow. who dug some of these up. If you haven't read that, if you have, don't follow him, I'd advise you to. Celtic's last hat-trick was James Forrest versus Thistle in and February. Uh, yeah. yeah. The last league hat-trick was Edward versus Motherwell in 2017. The last player to score four-plus 
Gary Hooper. He scored five against Hearts, seven nil in two thousand twelve. The last player to score four and a half was John Higgins, not that one, <laughs> in nineteen fifty six. And Forrest is the first player to score four in an away game since two thousand and six. Can you name that player? Eight one, eight one versus the oh, Magic. Magic's oh, Maloney scored an absolute scissor kick to the edge of the box. Neil Lennon scored also scored that day. <laughs> yeah, it was actually it was Gary, my brother's pal, who was in goals that day. Bryn Halliwell played, oh. played in McLeod, so his part in history is assured long after he hung up his gloves. James Forrest is going to go down as one of the most decorated Celtic players ever, if not the no, most. He, he must Take be away the it. European yeah. Cup and boy, oh boy, appearances, European games, domestic trophies, a goal for every year he signed his contract last week. However, Melly, oh. if St Johnson is the Eckies euphoria of this episode, <laughs> better grab your duvet, your bottle of Lucasade and box set of David Attenborough's Planet Earth, because here comes the come down. Oh. Red Bull Salzburg. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have to do it, I'm afraid. That's part of the job. Yeah, I know. I had a sober weekend as well, and the hooks <laughs> were flying every other weekend. I'm hungover. They end up with a terrible result. But, oh dear, it was back. Just... Can we not just talk about it and again just clipping every single away European performance yeah, and you yeah. can piece it together for this because it's the same mistakes again and again. The only thing with this one is we had hope. Well, Edward scored after just, just under two minutes. And that concludes our coverage of the Red Bull Salzburg <laughs> game. Thanks for... No, obviously, it was, a, it was a great start. We had uh, Gilly from the History Boys on in this very studio last week. We were talking about the game beforehand and he, he made a good point that we subsequently talked about on the Match Companion on Patreon, he made the point that, look, this isn't Man City, it's not PSG, it's not any like any of the examples you care to use, Barcelona, this is Red Bull Salzburg, and Celtic should be closer to their level than those teams that we kind of expect are doing off. But you and I kind of discussed the other night that that kind of it raised the stakes even higher because if we take a tanking off a team that we're supposed to be competing with, then it shows that we are not even at the level that we want to be at and we're down another tier. We're not even a second tier European team. We're dropping into third. That's the problem. We The Champions League is good for the money, for the glamour, but I think Jamie said a few times that he'd like the Europa League just to get a wee run, but mm. that's all well and good if you sort of earn your place in the Europa League, but we drop down and just with the bad things that happened in the summer I'll not say the old TW <laughs> uh, things have been really bad for us and it was a worry for me going into every game in this uh, competition but on the face of it 3-1 away to Salzburg probably a fair reflection of the two teams yeah, right yeah, now was, yeah. I mean, they've not lost a game at home since November 2016 they won the beat Grats of the weekend since we played them as well so that's the, I think they've played about 10 15 out of 10 or, yeah 15 or 16 games this, this season they haven't lost any I think there's two draws in there yep they're flying in the cup as well they're a really good team mm. and watching them I was I said to you during it why can't we play like that subsequently we went on and played like that against St. Johnson mm. just that 1-2 passing there was a point where sorry I keep referencing the match companion but I find it difficult to not repeat yeah. myself because some people have heard it or not. I said to you, that's the difference. And it was Boyata had the ball, played it out, 
and stood behind their striker instead of making himself available by yep. just a wee move so he could get the pass back or just a wee bit of movement so the striker had to move or somebody had to move. He just gave it to, I think it may have been Lustig and that was that was his job done. Whereas them, it's pass, move into space, either get it back or go beyond. And that's what I wanted to see. We got that against St. Johnson. What a difference it makes. But I just said to you, why can't we play like they're playing yep. in Scotland? And we did on Sunday, but that is the level we should be aiming at. Really, we should be on what maybe drawn one or two games this season and won the rest. They've we've won ten out of ten, which is yeah. incredible. Shows how good a team they are. They do have good players, but that's the level we should be at as well. If you hear us talking about match companion and don't know what we're talking about, what we do is we on on Patreon we get together and watch the games and then put it put out a podcast about it, sort of half an hour give or take right after the final whistle. And what we do is we record our pre-match thoughts, half-time thoughts, and then full-time. And to listen back to that one is absolutely hilarious because we're kind of tentative at first. We came back at half-time absolutely overjoyed because we 1-0 <laughs> up and then it's just disconsolate at the end. It's the same old story except it's usually disconsolate at half-time and disconsolate <laughs> at full-time. That was a proper roller coaster one. But the example you, you used there, the Boyata one, that, would, that summed it up for me because... As you said, Boyata received the ball, then passed it, and then just stood still. It was like Celtic were like one of those kind of nineties football arcade games, and that only the player with the ball was active. The yeah. rest are all standing still. It, it was really odd to watch. And you and you said to me, "Look at the difference. That as soon as as soon as Red Bull have got the ball, it's like they're swarming. It's like they've suddenly got extra players, and their passing and their pressing was incredibly impressive. To be honest, yeah, it's exactly what we should be. And going into this, it's Brendan Rodgers third season in Europe and you're really not wanting to go into these games and take an absolute doing in the Europa League when we're used to taking doings in the Champions League we want to compete in these games and look, we're 1-0 up for a long time but if you take that goal out it, did we create much after that? Mm-hmm. Again, they they are a good team hands down and maybe with Brown and Benkovic in the team and Rogic we could have maybe Seen a bit of a difference. I wonder if Benkovic could have made it, but Brendan mm. Rodgers sort of seen this as the one that, look, this is going to be the toughest one. Maybe we don't risk him here, yeah. get him in St. Johnson, then there's an international break. But anyway, Jack Henry, Jizo. But the problem, this is the... Th- That's his full name, by the yeah, way. This is the third season of him in Europe, and the problem is the goals we let in are the same silly mistakes. It's not as if we're learning from the previous qualifying rounds, last year's Champions League, the qualifying rounds. That is the same old story. Every goal they scored, they targeted down our right-hand side, the left, and they just went down there time and time again, and they knew they would get something out of it, and they did. And I know we're on about Lustig again, um, but Lustig cannot keep crosses out of the box. They just can't do it anymore for whatever reason it is. There was one moment right at the end where he just let a cross go. He's like, have you ever seen that gif of the dog? Or someone's throwing like a ball to it and it's just ignoring it and it's just like bouncing over <laughs> his head and he just stands still and it, it's captioned, the dog is you and the ball is the joke and it just <laughs> goes right over his head. That's what Lustig is like, trying to keep crosses it. Jack Henry, I know, once again, we, we preface this by saying we don't like having a go at Jack Henry, but it's impossible not to. The guy is not ready for this at all. It, it, who knows if he ever will be. Brendan Rodgers has come out once again and said, that this wasn't kind of how it was supposed to go for Jack Henry. He was bought with a mind on developing and, and building him up slowly. But look, that 
the guy came in in a transfer window, not the transfer window we're not allowed to talk about, yep. another crap transfer window. <laughs> he came in a transfer window in which we were crying out for a centre-half. You don't get to then sign one and say, well, we didn't plan on playing him. That, that just doesn't work. You don't go out and sign a fifth-choice centre-half with no plans on playing him, and then when he does play, say, well, this wasn't how it was supposed to be. I, I said during the match companion that there was one moment where he brought the ball out brilliantly and played a through ball. It, it looked absolutely great. But it's, but it's the defensive instincts that just simply aren't there with him. He's, you, I think you said it, you, you pointed out that he's always rolling around on his ass. That That's like, the last ditching. Yeah, just like of... trying to throw limbs in front of things, whereas a better defender, and I don't, I mean, I'm not going to liken him to, to Virgil van Dijk like, un, unfairly, but it just ultimately he was in the Celtic team at a similar age to Jack Henry, but he already had it all up there, yep. taps, taps, taps side of head. Um, and Jack Henry just doesn't seem to have it. Whether it's nerves and he just needs to, he just needs a wee bit more time to settle in. Who knows? But I'm, I'm being very, very optimistic by giving him that. Yeah, I don't think he got it. As you said, it's the natural instincts. Van Dyke really makes a slight mm-hmm. challenge. It's always an interception, or he's there in front of him with Jack Henry for the first goal. I think Lustig could have done better that running up with your hands. Behind your back, that, that's no use to me. You go out and you meet the ball and you get it away, stop the cross. And the guy's there in the six-yard box with a tap-in and Henry's thrown his body, a mm. uh, slide tackle. Virgil van Dijk, it's as if Jack Henry, the only time he reacts is when he sees the defender past him and, and his eye line, whereas van Dijk goes to meet the ball. Mm. I'm just using van Dijk as... <laughs> I know he's a bad one of the tomorrow. Diff- Podcasters liking Jack Henry to Virgil van Dijk. I should really say, by the way, I caught myself there. That Jack- Virgil van Dijk wasn't great in Europe for, for Celtic either, but I think we allowed that because he looked as if he was he was good in other ways. Oh, he's prove that. Yeah. But it just seems as if he's, he waits till the striker makes a move, then he makes his move instead of making that move first and cutting that ball out because then he's throwing his body up trying to make these last-ditch t- challenges. It was the, the first goal and the second goal. He's just caught on his heels mm. and he's making these blocks and he's not getting close. It's just it's painful to watch for the guy because his confidence must be sapped and he's just getting tossed into games. Benkovic is back now, so he's been he uh, taken t- 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 out. He, need, he needed that. Simonovic was on the bench and came on. But Roger's trolling at that point. 5-0 up and stick yep. Jozo on. <laughs> just give him some game time, but... The goal, Celtic's goal, it was just a, a sort of great ball, I'll give it, not a launch up the pitch from McGregor. Generous. Edward out muscles the guy, that's my type of finish, that wee Lovely. right foot into the far corner, the Henri one, brilliant. And we were holding on from there, it was pretty much back to the wall after that. We held out half time, we could have maybe got a second, but it was rightly offside. James yeah, yeah. Forrest maybe could have done better with the finish, the first time finish, but... Just after the second half, we just collapsed straight from half time. Craig Gordon was pulling off saves and like, we cannot hang out for a half mm. like this. And as soon as they got that first goal, you pretty much knew that's it because Celtic didn't create anything after that. And when the second goal went in, we just looked at each other and went, well, that's that then <laughs> because there was just no way back. Hendry was booked for time wasting, of course. <laughs> the first half. Another guy we've, we've spoken about tonight, Lee Griffiths, he was kind of symptomatic of that performance as well because... After, I've given him credit this season because everyone says he's not a European-level footballer. And I've kind of barged in there and said, look, he's got some goals against decent opposition. You get, I'm thinking you're Beersheva and, and teams like that. He's capable of scoring against these teams. 
but it's everything else. It's the I know it sounds a bit dated to say, but being able to hold the ball up, he just he can't make the ball stick in any meaningful way at all. There was there were moments during that game where people were passing straight to his feet and he was going for it across his body with his left foot instead of stopping it with his right and just really, really basic stuff. Yeah, it was simple things. It was a three one four two with Edward and Griffiths up front, obviously. And you're really looking for them to give their defence a torrid time, not give them a second on the ball. And we really did show how much we missed he shall not be named up front. Him and Edward would have absolutely terrorised them, but Griffiths it just doesn't have that sort of... It's a bit harsh to say that savvy for that to occupy defenders like that. He is just a poacher, really, isn't yeah, yeah. he? He has improved his all-round game since Rodgers came in. I think he's an underrated under technical, like, technical footballer. I think he's actually very good. Some of his touches and his dribbling is actually really oh, good. His it's first just, touch is yeah. great, but it's just... You ha- when there's two he's up there the ball has to stick yeah. and it didn't stick Edward wasn't great either for mm. the, the game it just didn't stick and it just kept coming back every time and it was only a matter of time I said it was 3-1-4-2 but every time we were back it was more 5 at yeah. the back and the third goal was absolutely criminal just going on from that their centre half has the ball for about 20 seconds and he just keeps coming and nobody shuts him down you've got two strikers up there he just plays a simple ball over the right over the right hand side again and the guy's in behind Forrest it was an absolute criminal goal to give away and Cham was guilty of misuse of the ball at yep. times as well just I mean re- again really simple stuff he, he went on a, a run up the right hand side produced a Emil Heskey step over <laughs> stepped on the ball a couple of times and, and that was the chance gone all he had to do was wait for his options to open up in the box and instead he just incredibly wasteful with it and lost the ball That that's just that's got to get better in Europe the, the we, thing we is we keep saying that but yeah. this is the third season of it we should be that's Cham's second season it's these defenders like They've all been there and done it, but it's the same mistakes time and time again. And the only way to eradicate that is to get better players. Again, we lost two, well, the third goal that goes down the right-hand side again, but it's your right-back not cutting out the cross and it's your centre-half not marking the player or denying the space. It's it's cost us in Europe yeah. so many times this season. It's playing for everybody to see. The tactics easy against Celtic. Go down that right hand side, and you will get joy. That's why it was so disappointing. Three one on the face of it against a team like that. They are a really good team. I think they'll go yeah, far in this competition, depending on what sort of Have draw they get. Yep, last season they beat lots teams like Lazio mm. on on the way, so they're no mugs. But they made us look like mugs. <laughs> they did, and there's no doubt that they are a much better, more technically gifted team well, than, yeah. than Celtic currently are. They're brilliant, and we remarked the other night that. They've got a handful of players that we expect to see make another move. Make the, the striker for a start, Dabur Haidara, was a midfielder who was everywhere. Lots and lots of really good players. But the thing is, I don't know how... I don't tend to look into these things. I don't think any of us are. We tend to kind of focus on the football. But it's, I don't know how reliable the information is. But there's been talk after the game that Red Bull Salzburg's wage bill is significantly lower than Celtic's is. Their transfer budget is kind of comparable as well. So why are they so far ahead of us in terms of technique and, and just general, let's face it, ability? I'm trying to think about it this week. I think we, with Brendan Rodgers, we focus on the English market and mm. everything's inflated down yeah, there. They are good players. Sometimes getting... with reason, yeah. Sometimes with reason. And a lot of people 
just dismiss English football altogether when, when it comes to signings. But we've had a lot of success from there in the last 10 years or so. Lo- loads of them, in yeah. fact. Some of our best signings have been from there. We have, but with that, because the players are on such, cost, such yeah. high wages, lesser players are on high wages as well. But we could be scouting in the same place as they, they are. I've mean, I seen the, somebody put up on Twitter, I can't remember who it is, sorry, about the players they brought in recently. And they seem to buy a lot more players around the four or five million pound mark. But right. They had a lot of them, whereas we've had, what, in Cham, four and a half million in Edward. Mm. But under that, we're down at the one or two million mark. So yeah. maybe they're spending three players, what, three, four, five million instead of us getting Some six players. For ages, eh? Yeah, instead of us getting six players on the two million. But we could be scouting in the same places as them, surely. They're a very well-run club. Maybe not the Red Bull sort of things, not what you want, but that doesn't mean we can't scout the same as them and pick up the players. On that, we also got a question from Tom Rankin on Patreon. He asks us a hypothetical. Would you take us being called Celtic Red Bull, etc., if it meant a good £20 million plus every season invested in the first team and decent runs in Europe? <clears throat> it's a tough one, isn't it? It's, it's something that comes up time and time again with the likes of stadium renaming rights. You know, you've got the Sports Direct Arena down south. And I think, see with that, I'd be fine with that. See if some company, as long as it was something cool, or I don't, I don't, if it was a good company, if they wanted to rename Celtic Park something, I'd be fine with that because everyone's still going to call it Celtic Park yeah. anyway. Newcastle fans just call that St James's. It's no. different for like Arsenal. It's called the Emirates, yeah, because it's always been called that mm. because that was a new stadium, new stadium that was yeah. a state sponsor. But Celtic Park will always be Celtic that, Park, yeah. and yeah, but the name of the team though, I don't know. That's ridiculous, is it? The thing, the way I look at it is, see if Celtic were smarter, I think we could compete in Europe. Mm. The £20 million, we could spend that every year if we sold it in Belly and then reinvested it. But we showed what, like this season, we're not prepared. If we get in £20 million, we haven't got targets ready or we didn't have mm. targets in already. If we had like scouting systems like like Salzburgs are a great example all these players out there they're not splashing fortunes on no. them that's about a re- budget restriction what they're spending on them they're not going out and spend they haven't spent 9 million in a player Edward it looks like he'll be worth it but I think we can do it without that if we spent money more sensibly and we managed to get rid of players that were doing absolutely nothing for us so it's a no from me what I'm going to pin you down here. I'm going to be Khabib Nurmagomedov <laughs> claiming all over your back here. Get a, get an answer from me. What if it's the only way? What if we find ourselves five years down the line? The Gulf's even bigger. We've found ourselves in an absolute European backwater. So again, all hypothetical, as Tom said. What if it's the only way? What if Red Bull come in and say, we're going to buy your club and basically make you Celtic Red Bull or Red Bull Celtic or whatever? Is it the only way to compete and have any kind of European stature whatsoever? Do you do it? Do you sell your soul? No. Because what happens when they pull out, you go back to that. So do you take well, the how many, three, four, five years of that and then go back Go back the way? Is that worse? But Celtic are always better when they are backs to the walls, when they're underdog. That's when they get the big results. And I'd rather see us bring our own players through than do that, to be honest. Because watching Kieran Tierney, Forrest, McGregor, they're good enough to play in Europe for Celtic, so there's plenty of players out there we can develop to do that. So if we're a bit more savvy ourselves, invest in the youth, invest wisely in good players, invest in a good manager and back them, mm. 
then we could do that without the scum money. <laughs> well, well put, all of it. Red Bull might not even be interested in Celtic anyway. We might end up with like Dragon Soup uh, rather than Red Bull. Dra- Dragon Soup Celtic. There's, there's a better way to do it as well. Don't pay your tax. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the last thing in the Salzburg game, Brendan Rodgers must have been a bit scunnered. He turns around trying to change a game. Ryan Christie, Lewis Morgan, on you go. No, no harm to them. But change the game, boys. It's, it's not the calibre of player where we need or... We, do, we should be putting on in a game like that. Well, there's the international break coming Dealing. in. I know. Absolutely. What will we do one? next week? I know. It doesn't seem like that long ago. The last one was that only about four weeks. Yeah. This, this is the last one too. Well, this is us after this international break. Two games, well, three games a week till the... Is December much the same as it's been the last couple of years? Oh, yeah, because they just rearranged our fixture. Right. So our only midweek is now gone. So that's us right up till January. Nay midweeks, nay breaks. Yeah. International news. We didn't get around to it last week. because kind of ran out of time. But Sean Maloney has left Celtic for a full-time role with Belgium. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. We interviewed him um, for, for Patreon about six months ago now. I think that was the first time we did for Patreon. But I'm disappointed. I, I was quite enthusiastic about him going to do a bit with Belgium because I thought he's going to be away working with the absolute world-class players like the absolute cream of the crop there I think they're number one ranked in the world yeah. now even though they didn't win the World Cup but I thought right he's going to go away and work with Eden Hazard Lukaku Dries Mertens and all that and bring out all, all that sweet sweet info back to Celtic but he's been made an offer he can't refuse it's a great opportunity. Yeah. I was hoping they would. It wasn't very clear at the start what if he'd be staying on with us and doing both, mm. but it seems he tried to do both and maybe it just wasn't worth it. Or it mm. seems to be that Henri's looking for a managerial job. He's been linked with the Villa job, right. him and John Terry. So Maloney and Martinez seem to have a, a lot of a yeah. huge amount of mutual respect for each other. So that's that's clearly how that's come about. He, he mentioned that to us about how much he enjoyed working with Roberto Martinez. Disappointing because when you are speaking to him, you, you realise that if the way he's speaking, that way you can tell somebody's good at something, like he mm. gets it. He always he talked about how he used to take things from managers. He seems like a guy that thinks about the game, so it's disappointing to lose him. Very confident, very switched yeah. on guy, yeah. So it would have been good to keep him around, but it's a strange one because I've seen today Henri might be getting the Villa job, but if he doesn't get it, Martinez might get it. But how does the number mm. two become the number one favourite? Then the number one, I, I don't really get it. So the we just need to wait and see. But uh, Villa linked with Brendan Rodgers mm. as well, but he shot that right down. Yeah. Very happy at Celtic. It was nice to hear him say very happy. Because previously he was just happy. Yeah. Well, it's getting better then. Another friend of the show, Andreas Hinkle. Oh, just lovely been given the the um, caretaker. caretaker job at Stuttgart. I had actually forgotten that they were still in the top flight. I think of, they just came up. Did they? They, that, they, were, right? they were relegated recently. First game was against Dortmund, though. Ouch. Ouch. Baptism of okay, fire. That's a free hit, isn't it? I suppose so. Remember he said sheet. <laughs> sheet defending. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, actually, we, we interviewed him as well. It was a long time Let's ago. Just plug everything. Yeah, just plug everything we've ever done. But we, we just keep mentioning things and expecting people to know what we're talking about. We had Andreas... Um, on the podcast and he was his part was cracking yeah he was good good good, good guy seeing as it's international break I've got a wee game to close us out with <laughs> let's enjoy this Scotland related I'm going to give you five names and you need to tell me the odd one out and why right I thought there was going to be another body in the studio tonight with a late pull out so this may have been this may have worked better but pressure's on you Millie five names mm-hmm. not going to tell you how they're related the odd one out and why Warren Cummings Scott McAllister, 
Scott Shearer, Paul Devlin, Robbie Stockdale. They've all got the caps for Scotland. Yeah. You're getting there. Who's the odd one out and why? Got McAllister, because I don't know who he is. He's the only one that's not been capped by Scotland. <laughs> well, you're actually right. Um, the, the connection is all been capped by Bertie Volks under his reign, who capped, he capped 40 players for Scotland, by the way. The odd one out was Scott McAllister because I made him up. <laughs> <laughs> In a way, that sort of proves my point. All of those names sound made up. Those are all full international Scotland players, apart from Scott McAllister, who doesn't exist. Uh, I remember Warren coming. <laughs> was he Chelsea? He was yeah, something like that. Uh, Paul Devon was at Birmingham. Or I think he got a few caps Paul uh, Devon, actually, but the rest of them, Scott Shearer. You even remember? He was a he goalie. Was? Yeah. I think he was at Coventry. Aloe or something, I can't remember. But oh, aye, Scott McAllister, huh? chat man. <laughs> Right, that'll do us. I suppose you can, as usual, you can get more podcasts and general bits and pieces from us at patreon.com forward slash 20 minute Tims. Huge thanks to everyone who supports the podcast through those means. If it's how you usually get your audio, you can find us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio and the Celtic News Now app where you can go for all your Celtic needs and news. Please, can you do us a favour and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast unless you leave reviews, basically. Five stars though, please. Five stars. Just like a tattoo. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. And thanks for listening. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.